Yo, welcome to Common Conversations with the Odd Fellas. The Odd Fellas. Yo, where we come together, we talk about life, the black experience, what it means to be us in our skin in America. No conversation is off the table. And uh, yo, if you're watching this on Facebook, welcome to the live stream. If you're tuning in to the Odd Fellas via our um, podcast, we really appreciate you. And by the way, I think I stuck about $100 in the, um, the tip, the cuss cup. Um, but you're more than welcome. To continue to contribute to that um, If you want to hear Trainer say more bad words But uh, yo this is Common Conversations What's going on D? Hey this is Demond A.K.A. Demond Does Father of two, husband of one And hanging out with my boys There How's it your is, week been? There it is. Oh, We gonna get into how my week been my, I swear, I had a, Man I, you sure you want that right now? No Okay we gonna pause for a minute No no you know, uh, David, David how was your week? Yeah get yeah, rush yeah. it why, why was that? <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. How was your week, Damon? Oh man, it's been a challenging week uh, for me. Uh, say your name, sir. I'm oh, trying to get his name. I'm trying to get him. Uh, he said, "Say your name." Why the say, fuck he got to tell you to say your own say name? Say your name. He does just answering the brother's question. I appreciate that. Who are you again? Hey, my sir, name is Damon, aka the Shadow. Like for y'all to step into the kitchen. Are you hungry? Let's get ready to eat. As I want to. I, I want this. Can, 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 can we have a vote real quick? Yeah, which you want to vote on? I want to vote on changing uh, Damon's name because you can't give your own can't give your own self a nickname. So if we agree to it, he has to accept it, right? I'm cool. I didn't well, give myself you, that want? nickname. I know. I do not like the uh, connotation. Uh, I remember the story. And that really bothers me. <laughs> yeah, he so, basically what he's saying is that white woman that named you Shadow was racist as fuck, mm-hmm. and and the fact that you twelve years a slave kept that name uh, <laughs> has issues. The twelve years of slave part maybe is a little much, <laughs> <laughs> but you know this new. I don't know. I he called you the chef, and uh, I think it was last or the last episode we did. And I was like, "Oh, Damon the chef, I like that." I can work anybody? with anybody. Anybody? I'm, no? I'm cool with it. No, it cool is what it. it is. Let's roll. Right, right, keep cool. it moving. Let's right, call him the right. chef. Cook it up. All right, cool. Cool as you are. To my left, my, my right, my brother Trainier. What's happening? What's happening? It's your boy Trainier, a.k.a. Trey. Y'all already know what it is, man. Superman don't go nowhere without his cape. But, yeah, D. But is that yes, your sir. cape on the table? Because um, my man brought us something new in here. Um, so It's a little light work. You know us boys and our toys. I mean, I'm just saying, that's the new cape? Yeah. That's so if you're watching, if you're watching on Facebook, you can, you can see Trainier's new toy. Um, that he purchased and was it Clarksville, Jeff? What's the name of the new store? Uh, Kavanaugh's Outdoor Supply. Ke- yeah, Kavanaugh's Outdoor Supply. Dope, dope fellas. Really cool. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully yeah. they're sending some money for giving them a plug. Yeah, for yeah, sure. But, fellas. but that's a nice little um three hundred blackout that you guys sitting on the table. Yeah, did. All right. Everybody need one of them in their life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'd highly recommend it. Okay, okay, let's go. Get your three hundred blackout, people. Make sure you get a gun class too. Uh, that, that, and <laughs> facts and a permit facts. And, and a permit. Well, you know, you don't need a permit to carry a long rifle. Is that considered a long rifle? No, nah, it's a pistol. It's a pistol. Yeah. So you need a permit pistol? to carry the pistol. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's a pistol. That's a pistol. Yes, yeah. it is. Oh my God. Are you serious? Yeah. yeah. Oh. It's just longer than most. Yeah. <laughs> Real talk. Hey, and, and the gun game size matters. You did. <laughs> wow. I need you to say pause after that. Oh, uh, why, why I got? Why, why I gotta say pause? You're the one made said the comment. Ah, shit! Don't pause. <laughs> I mean, you know, homegirl told me size mattered. I don't know nothing about that. She was man. quiet. I'm gonna I'm step up out of that conversation. I'm just saying, you know, 
I'm on one today. Y'all ready to roll? Let's roll. Let's no, roll. I'm not really. But no, I'm, we, I'm, I'm, I, it's like being at the top. It's like the, all this talk right now has been the roller coaster where it's like tick, 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 tick. And I'm going, oh, my God, did I really sign up for this? I could possibly die in the next two minutes. No. And then right before we hit the peak and... We're right there, man. We're right there. I'm I'm on I'm on I'm on I'm on good behavior today. I'm tired. For I'm, now. I'm exhausted. Cause he great pop off. I'm a little y'all. brain sleepy. I'm a little drowsy and droggy. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Yeah. Um that means we all as soon as we get as soon as we get into why he goes from a two to a ten. You're not rubbing up with nobody, dude. We you know. know who you are. As soon as he gets That's into okay. we're okay with it. We're so, all okay. We all signed up for this. True story. True we're story. Signed up. I'm not complaining about it. Facts. I'm just saying I've had to prepare myself and I prepared. Let's so here's this. the deal. Anybody who's joining us on the Facebook out there in the world, I put the link in the comments. You're more than welcome to tap in. We might let you in. We might not let you in, but it's up to you. We're going to open up the conversation maybe a little bit to some outside folk, um, and hopefully we can hear what you got to say. But other than that, if you if you follow the podcast, y'all know what we do to start the show. Trainier comes up with some wisdom, um, a hard-ass question, and he throws it at us. And so, you know, the man has been cooking on something because he got this big-ass grin on his face. That's, um, what's, what's the word, Big Bird? What you got for us today? So I, I, I had a little assistance uh, with this. So shout-out to Christine and, Christina and Big Tony in Atlanta. They helped me with this one. Uh, but they are uh, people that join the podcast, watch us from time to time. And so uh, the question was. What's the question? Where did you meet your wife and what happened? What was the moment that you knew she was the one? Where did I meet my wife? Yep. And when did I know she was the one? Yeah. Describe that moment. Uh, how long you been together? You know, all of that. That's, that was the question. And, and Christina and Big Tone, you know, they are, they're an actual couple. So that was what they kicked out to me. And I said, you know what? That's an excellent question. So I kick it to the fellas. Yeah. So all right, I met Tia at Wilberforce University, um, HBCU. Yeah, yeah. The first historical black university, yes, private sir. university yes, in the country. Um, but yo, so I had this. There was this this girl um, in my so psych, sociology class, and um, I think Tia just walked into the, the room <laughs> so she could hear us, right? Yeah. And um, and she had this ugly ass green jacket on and she had um she had these little she had these little round glasses and she she yeah ever seen the little black girl matilda yes <laughs> so tia kind of looked like a grown version of matilda uh of the little black girl and um as you know i just i'm not gonna lie i looked at her she walked past me and i was like man there's something sexy up under that coat you dig and and you know that went on and you know Think I left for the semester, came back, and uh, you know I ran into her again, and I was like, "Yo, she had a boyfriend or something." Oh, she tells the story better than I do. I was like, "I'm gonna steal you from your dude," mm. and then I was like, "Come visit me in my room." That's how we moving. That's Damn. how we move, you know. And then uh, she came to visit me, and we listened to some jazz. What's that cologne you was wearing? Confidence. Man. Oh shit! Straight <laughs> swag. <laughs> <laughs> so when was the moment that you knew she was the one? When was the moment that I knew she was the one? Man, um, 
I don't know. That's another good question. So I don't know. There was a there was a there was a particular moment. But my homeboy, when we was younger, basically said I was gonna marry the woman who broke my heart. And up until then, it just wasn't possible. And uh, she made me vulnerable. And so that's that's probably I don't know which moment that was. But the moment she made me the most vulnerable was the moment I realized that there was no one else there for me. Wow. So, yeah, real talk. Wow. Y'all about to make a nigga tear up and shit. Let that breathe. <laughs> wow. I think she's about to tear up. I hate coming back from behind behind them all the time. Uh, pause. Hey, listen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he got it. He learned he what the pause it. is. He got it. There it is. So, anyway. hey, man, just, <laughs> I, hey, man, just tell your truth. That's all. Um, so, uh, give me the questions again. So, uh, where did you meet your wife? Okay. And uh, what was that moment? Describe the moment when you knew she was the one. Okay, so the first one is kind of complicated because I first met Krista in high school. And Sh- shout out to them Red Devils. Yes, sir. And... Um, it didn't go. It didn't. Go, uh, let's let's just say I was seventeen and 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 a bit of an asshole. We'll just leave it at that. And uh, so we didn't see each other for years. Uh, ran across each other a couple of different times. Um, and um, when I was in massage school, I put you know she found me on Facebook. We became friends on Facebook. And then I uh, I was in massage school. It's like you know, hey, anybody want a massage? You know, free massage, whatever. I need to get my hours in. You have to have clinicals. And uh, she's like, I want, I'll get a massage. If I'll cook you dinner, I'm like sold. So um, we uh, had we had dinner. I gave her a massage, and we've been together ever since. And the moment that you knew she was the one, that's the that was the part. Um, that's the reason I asked the first question. Asked you to ask me the questions again because I'm really not sure. Um, it was just like I. <sighs> I think through. I, I think I was doing a lot of stuff when we met, mm-hmm. a lot, uh, and um, including going to school. And I don't know. It was like it was. Um, we, we moved in we, when we moved in together, and I was going and I was doing all that. It. I don't know. It was just uh we we just started to. Buy, yeah. I, I wasn't and I wasn't one hundred percent sure until I uh till I till the day I proposed. Like I really didn't. I was. I'd been planning on it. And I was like, and it like hit me one day. I I still make decisions for the moment like this. But right. I was like, yeah, that, yeah, that, that's right. I'm gonna do that today. And I did, and, you know, and it, it was, and it was just the right thing to do. And it's, it's had its ups and downs, but I wouldn't trade it. I, I couldn't do this right with anybody else. I, I couldn't, I can't even see. Right. To, so. Right. That's awesome right there. Shout out to Krista. Yeah. Yay. So Krista got the happy ending. That's all I'm saying. Um, that's that's where the massages was going, right? Hey, so hey. funny, funny. I'm a, I'm a sidebar this wow. real quick. I'm wow. a sidebar this real quick before you go, Damon. Yes, sir. So do y'all watch the shy? Sometimes, and when, so when the wife has it on. Yes, yes. I don't know what that is. So the shy this sure week this weekend, there was a guy in there that was a massage therapist, and he running around the city. <laughs> massaging people and then giving happy endings whoa whoa you lost me you lost me you don't know what a happy ending is i know what a happy ending is i'm just saying like Like, what what is he told her he said 
I can't even remember her name. He said, Miss J, you don't even have to give me a tip. Matter of fact, I'm going to give you a discount. <laughs> He, mm-hmm. And he was a young boy And she was old school Oh so he was cougaring it up Oh, oh wow. yeah Hey listen Y'all heard what my man said On that Facebook page But you know That's a whole different conversation But yeah What'd he say? Uh, Remember I read it to you When I came in here today I about, know. The, about the Yeah what'd he say? He said uh, Young fellas If y'all ain't ready For that cougar action Leave it alone It's a different kind of snap Snack Moisture <laughs> Precipitation. I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Just leave it alone, <laughs> young fella." Wow. I just so we we working on getting Tia's audio in. If you're watching this on Facebook, but I, y'all had to see her facial expression on on right, trainers right, right. Um, thing. So right now she going on Charlie Chapin it for us real quick. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> you can just shout see out, it, but you can't hear. Shout out to Jason McCracken. That was my dude, man. man. He posted that today. So look, if if any of our listeners mm. out there in that cougar action, because I know like my my little brother, he be all about. Whoa! Hold the, on, the action. You gonna throw him in there? Uh, like real that? talk. So if he happened, <laughs> wow. to, if he happened to be listening, <laughs> you know what I mean. You know, Uncle Charles. You know, he he like him. He like him like that. So I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> tell us, tell us what it's like to be with a you know with the Cougars. And if any of the women out there, if y'all out there going after the young boys, we want to hear about it. What's that experience like? I'm just saying. You dig? All right, um, D. What, what, tell us about your wife, man. Where did y'all meet? And uh, what was that moment where you knew she was the one? We originally met in an, in school. We were both in the same nursing program together. Um, and I, although I knew she was a part of our class because she was in my um, psych nursing class, we really didn't have much interaction until graduation where she was just on cloud nine bebopping around. And she rolled up on me and she asked me to hold her nursing pen box. And I'm like, it's no sooner than she asked me to hold it, she bounced off into the sunset, uh, bouncing around. And it, I just, it just kind of took me by surprise. Um, incredibly beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. And I was like, there's just something different about her. I knew it. Uh, and over the course of time, there's been several, I guess, moments where the thought or the idea of her being the one for me popped up. But I, I can honestly say at our wedding, the moment that they opened the doors and I saw her for the first time in her wedding gown and everything right then. I knew without a shadow of a doubt that she was going to dramatically change not only the trajectory of my life, but every single facet in it. Wow. Let that breathe. You better come through, boy. Hey, boy, that's better than Michael Jordan comeback right there. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. If you don't lean closer to your microphone. I am leaning closer to my microphone. There there we go. Put it in your I mean, what you want me to do? Put swallow it? it? Map. Yeah. No. no Somebody no, no. say thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. You gotta relax. That, that's not a violation? <laughs> that's a violation. Yeah. You gotta relax. Not if you're offered. Oh. Yeah, that's <laughs> what we need. We need some Acnell, man. Where's the Acnell song at? What's, uh, what's that? Yeah. The Acnelli. The yeah. We need to. <laughs> that's a, you know, HBCU classic. You dig? True story. True uh, story. But uh, so, what about you? What I mean, Mister Bachelor, right? You can't you can't throw us on the under the bus and talk about when we met our, our first loves and all that fun stuff, and then like, you know, when you where'd you meet your last girlfriend and what? Oh, what what, what was the thing that came up that you knew she wasn't the one? Ooh, wow, that's well, a good question. Wow, that is a good question. Interesting. Uh, like, let that breathe. Let that air. Nah, don't let bit. that breathe. You ain't got no. Nah, nah. This ain't wine. That shit's spoiled. It's gone. It's over. <laughs> okay. Throw it out the bathwater. Okay. Um, she don't care. No, it's playing. Let me stop. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm gonna keep it a thousand, but this is probably gonna get me in some trouble. This is probably gonna get me in some heat. But I'm gonna keep it a thousand. That's why we drinking scotch, right? Yeah, one hundred percent. Uh so we met actually uh at a job that we both worked at. And um, you know, uh if I'm being honest, what what um got us off track or, or to the place where it was no longer gonna be, I would say that uh, I would say that we was just um I think we wanted different things in the relationship and I think we had a we both had an issue with transparency. I'm naturally a private dude. I don't really share my stuff and and she was a a, a private person as well outside of her family. And um transparency uh was a big issue for us and it ultimately led to us being off track. Nicely put, nicely put off track. The man, yo, I, I, I love Trey Nair so respectful. Hey, you so, you, you, your you, mother I, taught you well. And I noticed how he uh, editing him is probably the easiest thing to do because he's so careful with his words and what he says. Absolutely. And I'm like, he, more than most, like it was, it was like, oh, this, and, I could tell, I could tell in the in the in the programs, like, oh, that Trey Nair speaking because there's big gaps here. <laughs> hey, listen, and, and I love it. Though. Look, he said big that, gaps. Hey, and that little piece <laughs> right there probably gonna get me in some heat. Wow. Nah, you can't get no. Nah, heat. that was pretty vague. Trust bro. me. And listen, listen, that person knows who they are, and um. You know, uh, even though we didn't work out, I, I do still care about her. She's cool. Um, but she also has sons, and I care about her sons. And so uh, she knows that she can call me for anything at any time of day, and it, you know, and it's on. Like, I'm going to rock with her kids no matter what, you know. Respect. so And I got her back. So we just didn't work out as a couple. Right. Uh, but I still consider her a friend. That's awesome. That's so, awesome. Yeah, that's, that's and, and she's the first and only that I've dated that I consider a friend afterwards. Wow. Okay. That speaks volumes. It's, yeah, it's saying something. So yeah, man. You know that's that's what it was. But uh, you know, on to uh, the next one. The real thing. I don't. I don't have a next one. Oh, okay. Right. I, I just had that one. But um, so we scale them back to one question now before we before we get into before we get into the main event of the evening. Um, so are we scale them back to one question now because we had started with two and then we, we did kind of and we've kind of gone to one the last couple last couple episodes. I was just curious. So um, just one, just wonder what you're thinking. Since yeah, we're all here anyway. That's a that's a uh, <laughs> that's a Monday meeting question. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but uh, adaptability, adaptability. I, I th- actually thought, to be honest, this question would take a little bit longer. Gotcha. So I only put one question <laughs> I mean, together. You, you, playing, okay. you playing with married men, doc. That I'm shit, not playing. That, that shit don't take long. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, wow. wow. Mm. Okay. I don't Woo. know how y'all took that, but I'm like. You I know, missed that. I've been, well, I've been with Tia, what, 24 years? 24 years total? Like, bro, yeah. Like we've been together twenty four. So y'all years, started man. dating in ninety six. Uh, yeah, second year of college. Wow. wow. Yeah, bro. I graduated from high school in ninety six. Yeah, so we. I mean, wow. There ain't much you can ask me that is gonna take me a minute to figure it out. Like, I'm okay, just, I'm just, that's real shit. Okay. Like we we still talk about how we first met. Real talk. I know Scott is in a waiting room, but there Scott, it is, gangster. Scott's in the say building. Say something about Scott. What's up, fellas? How we okay, doing? Our, our sound engineer figured out the problem. You dig? Word. Woo. Not, 
Not much, man. Not much. I just I just plugged in. I've, I've I was uh, just chilling at home and uh, drinking some bourbon, trying to relax, knock a little bit off for the day. So there it is. So check it out. We're about to get into our regular conversation. I'm gonna mute you just for a second, but I'm gonna bring you back in. I'm telling you right now, I'm hella rude when it comes to muting people's mic. Um, but welcome to the odd fellas. So <laughs> <laughs> so t- so what's the, what's the topic for the day? Like we we came into the room. I know it's been a crazy hectic climactic ass week already for me um but i said i was not gonna dive all the way in and um yeah let's go so today's topic um um that we wanted to you know touch on it's it's a continuation of our last topic but uh we just wanted to title it you know in honor and out of respect um Shortly after midnight. And so I'm going to let my man take it from here. And um, I know he's, uh, you know, feeling all type of ways. And, uh, you know, I always just pray and hope that he's not in the orange or the red. But, you know, things happen. But I'm going to let him roll. And um, I'm going to follow his lead. I mean, y'all, I told y'all, like, so, okay, if you're watching the podcast, I'm, um, I'm a little exhausted. Um, I'm a little I'm, I'm a little brain drained, but a lot of that has to do with the fact that that my sister in law and um, my niece got arrested last night while um, while protesting in Louisville. And so, you know, we had a rule that uh, we, we wouldn't go down and protest without each other. And then um, and then uh, so they her her and her and uh, Liv went down and they had to they was they was riding in the caravan and then they got late and so in louisville they have um what they're calling brianna square right now which is down in like fifth and fifth and sixth and jefferson um and so and you know basically dedicated to brianna taylor and so they're protesting the young folks are out there every day love the fact that they're out there and they're driving the bus um last saturday uh Young man, I believe it was last Saturday. I got my days confused right about now. Things are kind of smashing together. But the young man was um, Taylor. Taylor Girth was shot by a homeless guy who was kicked out of who was kicked out of the uh, camp, um, and then returned back down to the camp. And somebody had dressed him in new clothes and put a gun in his hand, and he popped one off um, and killed this young man. And so. You know, that was that was a bit of that was a bit of a tragedy. And then shortly after that, the police came down and they were doing the investigation. And um, they basically told all the press to protesters to go across the street. They was going to do the investigation and they was going to let them go back in. But what they ended up doing was they ended up clearing the entire camp. Police came in with bulldozers, took all their clothes, all their personal belongings, their keys, their cars, anything that was left in the square basically was confiscated and thrown in the trash. So, I mean, it was it was crazy. So not only did, you know, they they lose somebody that had been with them with 30 plus days, 20 plus days down there protesting um, for justice, um, but then they lose all their personal belongings. And so it's it's been this ongoing issue in that relationship. Tyler Girth. Yep. And uh, sorry, babe. And then uh, and then so Sunday there was a visual and we go down and. Um, you know, it was a visual for him and it was a really nice, clean, clean evening. It was, a, it was, it was somber. It was sad. Um, but you, you felt the energy shift down there too, because, um, most of the security is armed. Most of the people down there now are armed. Um, and, and I'm, I'm getting to the meat of it. So, um, you know, there's a lot of extra protesting going on 
And then something Monday morning comes and I, this got to be, I, this is a proud moment. I, this was like one of the dopest moments ever is um, a bunch of artists got together, shut down the, the second street bridge, which is the artery between, if you're listening between Jeff and Louisville. Um, and they hung this really large banner off the side of the bridge and, um, and and I can't remember the full thing, but it said something basically like, you know, you thought you could bury her, but you planted a seed um, and screaming for justice. And so, you know, they had a couple of other faces that that had fallen by LMPD. Um, and so just an amazing moment. Uh, and then there was another front line of protesters who were basically, you know, they were antagonists of the group. Right. So that they could get the banner hung so that they could buy time and. You know, that was a whole nother piece and, and just a beautiful thing that happened. Of course, everybody on the bridge was arrested. It was like 30 plus people. They, they pretty much knew that when they shut down the bridge, they were going to jail that day. Um, Got to love the the bailout fund that they have. That's that's that's, you know, folks are donating to to make sure that protesters are getting out of jail and helping them get lawyers. So that's, you know, bringing that to the movement is off. Awesome. So we, we keep rolling in. And so uh, last night, what was yesterday? Yesterday was Tuesday, right? Yep. So last night, there's this large caravan, um, and they're driving all over Louisville. And so, they're, they're, you know, basically the police have basically been trying to arrest anyone who goes down to the park past 11 o'clock, right? That was kind of a mandate they had rolled out, mandate they had rolled out. Um, so last night, I get this call, like, you know, Nenny, Nenny and Liv are like, we're downtown, we're in the caravan, yeah! Like, it looked like Freak Neek. Anybody who's my age that went to Freak Neek back in the day, <laughs> you know what I mean? You you, you know what it was like. Cass is in rolling in their cars, they, they caravan and they doing their thing. But while they're doing that, the police are actually blocking off the corridors and keeping them from coming in back downtown. Um, understanding that there was a handful of protesters who made it back down to the square, but the, the caravans got, uh, got broken up, whatever, whatever. So they're all going live because that's kind of the thing. Everybody's going live so that you can see through the eyes of your favorite protester, right? Or your family member or your favorite friend who's out there, um, you know, screaming, no justice, no peace, uh, Rihanna was asleep, you know, all those all those beautiful things so that we can get the the type of policy change that we want and we can get the three cops that that killed or arrested. Right. So long story short, you know, I get the call. And then he's down there like blah, blah, blah. You know, that's cool. Then I'm watching her feed and I'm like, why is her feed watching? Why am I watching the ground? Um, and then uh, I realized that I get a phone call, you know, the wife, they, they arrested Nenny and then and then the nephew. Yo, they got my mom. And so I'm like, I'm still sitting in the office and I'm like fuck all right let's go right so you know we jump in the ride and we headed down and to find out where they are what we can see what's going on and sure enough you know most a, a six block radius they got it all blocked off so me and the, me and the nephew basically uh go down and we get right across the street and the cop basically looks at me like if you cross the street you're going to jail and i'm thinking fuck you i'm looking for my sister right and then I see I see him on the floor. I see him sitting on the curb, right? They know they at the end of the end of the at the end of the um the road, right? And so they got a bunch of women sitting there, you know, about four or five women sitting there. And then I realized they had no female cops. And I'm like, so where the female cops in this? I thought there was a rule, right? There's a law or some kind of ordinance. Yada yada yada. Long story short, cops are straight dicks, man. Um, at least this bunch was. And uh, so, you know, we, we spent the night trying to, you know, figure out how to bail her out of jail. You know, they basically moved the bell like all the way on the other side of town. Um, and then then we get drive all the way out there and they're like, oh, sorry, we're not bailing nobody out tonight. 
you got to wait till tomorrow. You know, it was it was crazy. It made for a really long night and it in a, in a really just really pissy mood. Like I've been in a really pissy mood ever since. Um, and then I come home. So we get they get out of jail and I come home and, and I'm gonna bring tea in. You can chime in anytime you want, babe. Um, you know, so we I get home and then um, they 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 finally let them out of jail this morning and. I, I see a news report and the news report says violent protesters arrested and it took all their mug shots and posted it on the news report. And I was thinking to myself for the women that they arrested were walking on the parking lot. Like they were walking on the sidewalk, excuse me. Right. Kind of leaving, leaving, but there was no violence to be had. Right. On top of that, one of the women that they arrested also was parked in a vehicle sitting in her van with her child and the police pulled her out. Right. Um, and, and, and from my understanding, after talking to some of the other protesters that were down there, it, you know, there was a young lady or, or two young folks who decided to throw like trash in the middle of the street or some shit like that. And so they were saying that that was rowdy, but that was, that was only after they started arresting women or, or picking on people who had nothing to do with the protests who happened to just been downtown. Right. So I, I you know, I'm seething at this point and, I, and I'm, and I'm, I'm seething for a couple of reasons. One, you fuck with my family. That's an issue. Right. Right. You arresting, you arresting women and young girls. Right. So these punk ass cops waited till the men were gone. The fuck around. I don't I don't get down like that right secondly why are you intimidating women you can't I mean because you don't intimidate the men that are down there definitely the young boys that are strapped you don't intimidate them like that you don't treat them like that so what's different that you gonna treat black women and young white women this way so I'm a little heated by that then I'm heated that you pull a mother yep. out of her van yep. mm -hmm. with her child sitting there yep. as if yep. she ain't human and she's done nothing illegal Right. Nothing violent. Fuck that. Nothing illegal. Right. Right. And you can justify exactly. that shit. And the newspaper reported it. The part that really fucks me up, y'all, is that a couple of days ago, they found two white dudes with sniper rifles who are not police on top of a building scoping out the protesters. Neither one of the motherfuckers went to jail. Watch your mouth. I'm sorry. Language. I got I got money. I got money in a bucket today. Language. <laughs> Not one of them dudes went to jail. Couldn't prove ownership of their weapons. Couldn't prove ownership of their weapons. Not one of them went to jail. The police let them go because they said that there's a law in Kentucky that you can open carry. But they confiscated the weapons that these two white boys could not prove that they owned while they perched on the top of a building in a sniper position. Gotcha. I'm heated. Pissed. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah. You I, know, knew, I knew at 530 this morning you was going to be 38 hot today. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, you know. This is the type of systemic racism, racism that we're talking about. These are the issues. This is the very thing that folks are out there protesting against, you know, and 
and I'm I'm heated, but and a part of me is heated because I feel like right right this moment there's nothing I can do. There's not anything I personally can do. Like I want to punch somebody in the face. Real talk, you know. But we can't do that because it don't solve anything. That's right. But you arresting black women who have done nothing, but you're letting shooters, potential shooters, who can't prove ownership of a weapon, go free. And the news are gonna report that the people down there are the violent ones. I'm 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 sick with it. Sick with it. But you know, Scott T, y'all in here, y'all more than welcome to tune in. I'm I, you know, and so you know, I, I was on a conference call before we before we set up today, and it was it was one they had a they had a doctor on there, and it was a group. They they basically was allowing everybody to kind of come to a safe place and, and talk about what's been happening, and and they shared hope and things like that. And you know, y'all know I ain't I ain't a loss for words, but I couldn't share. I was so mad, and you know they were talking about hope, and and you know, things being changed and, and things being different and, you know, what still gives you hope. And at that moment, I was like, I have none. I have little to no hope that racism in America is going to change anytime soon. When two white men with long rifles can perch on the top of a roof without proof of ownership of weapon, can go home, Without charges. Right. But yet young black women and white women protesting on a sidewalk get charged with class D felonies. And all they have are words. Hmm. All they have is words. That's a problem. Right. That bothers me. Right. And I'm I'm you know, today I need answers. Like I want to know how do we fix this? Because co- conversation apparently isn't. Like I, I wonder if if it was two black men sitting up on that on that on that perch, up on that building, with two long rifles, would they even have made, would they even have made it home? Would they would they have made it home? Would they have made it home? I mean, and and here's the thing. Like I I talk I talked to Nitty, God bless it, because she back down there with the protesters and a lot of other folks are. Um, but I, I talked to Nitty and I talked to Liv when they got out, and and one of the one of the ladies who is a journalist who also got arrested. Right, right. Right. Um and they said what was what was the worst of it all was that they stuck him in a jail cell with no running water and a toilet that was overflowing and broke. Like man, we're going to punish you for exercising your your second amendment rights. First, first amendment. First rights. amendment. First amendment rights. We're going to punish you for doing what you are allowed to do by the constitution of this country, but we're going to punish you for it. It's not, it's the thing that's really getting me is it's, they're not hiding it anymore. Right. You know what I mean? Like that is it, that it, it's mind boggling. It's absolutely mind boggling that they're not even hiding it anymore, but they can't hide it. Think about it. Ever since the advent of of the modern day cell phone, they can't hide it. I think it's the fact that they don't even care anymore, and they don't need to. History is right now is proven that they don't need to. True story. I mean, how do we fix it? Like we, I mean, 
So I'm going to say this, and, um, you know, your wife asked, does any of us feel this impacts us? And I'm going to say this, um, I definitely feel like it impacts me. Um, I'm, I'm heartbroken for Breonna Taylor's family. I'm heartbroken for us as a people. I'm heartbroken that people exercising their rights are getting tossed in jail for a night or two, whatever. I'm heartbroken. I'm heartbroken that charges haven't been filed on the officers. I'm heartbroken that, you know, uh, celebrities and other families that's been impacted by, um, you know, police brutality, you know, fatality, whatever you want to call it, um, are coming to Louisville to add value and, and things of that nature, to be a part of the pro. Like, I'm heartbroken that our millennials that are choosing to stand up for what is right, I'm heartbroken that it seems as if there's a certain segment uh, of the population that doesn't even care. They just want it to be over. So they don't have to hear about it anymore. They don't have to look at it. They don't have to see it. They can get back to their quote unquote normal lives or whatever normal, normal life you have in the midst of COVID-19. Right. You know, and it's just, it's sad. It is right. It really is. And, and all you had to really do is just do the right thing, man. Just do the right thing. I think at some level they think they are doing the right thing. They, when, they believe listen, that they're in the right. Listen, when you kick down somebody's door at shortly after midnight. Let that breathe. Let that breathe. And what is what she's sleeping, whatever, and pops up. And you put how many shots out there? Eight. I do believe it was eight shots. She was shot eight times in the bed. She's unarmed, in the bed, dark, and you got the wrong address, if I'm correct. You, not only do you have the wrong address, but the guy that they was looking for was already in jail. That, that, that screams negligence. That screams a whole lot of uh, incompetence. Um, and to not just own it. Listen. I seen Miguel make some mistakes. I've made mistakes. You've made mistakes. Hell, we've made mistakes just with this podcast. And we just got to own it. Right? You just got to own it. Right. Like we all done wet the bed. Just not recently. Just not recently. Definitely <laughs> not recently. <laughs> so uh, we got well, we got Scott on here with us. Well. And I'm just curious, Scott, if you got an opinion, I, your mic is, is free, bro. Jump in here. Cause I I'd like to hear from you, you know how how you if this affects you or what your thoughts are. Cause I know you you you've come out and and protested a few days and and walked with us. Excuse the fireworks if y'all hear them. Um, but uh, yeah, share with us, man. If if you if you feel free, just jump in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it it does affect us, and and the reason it affects me the most is because it affects people that I love and care about. I mean. You guys are close personal friends. I have family members. You know, it, it, it's insane that we are still living in a time where this type of things are happening. And, and I don't really understand how it can still be happening. 
Um, you know, and it's one of those things that I, I guess uh, ignorance is bliss in some capacity, but you know, now that my eyes are fully awake at what's going on, you know, I, I thought, you know, it's just, it's, it's mind blowing that this is going on today at this point, man, true, true story. Like I remember, so I've had two conversations in, in just this week and, um, one of the persons asked me when was the first time, and I'm going to ask this of everybody at the table, Scott, jump in here too, if you want, um, when was the first time I a experienced racism and or B was impacted by it? And I had and, I, and, and it took me a second to really think um, about the first time I experienced racism. And, and I'll tell you, the first time I experienced racism and I didn't know what it was until later was when I was about between 8 and 11 I don't remember exactly when between 8 and 11 I went to go visit my father and the police had come into the neighborhood and rounded up all the kids all the black kids lined them up against the wall and took their pictures and one of the cops went to grab me and they said not him he don't live here and they said these are the future criminals they took all their pictures now I didn't learn I didn't understand that to be racism until later in life. And, and so then I, I, so that was the first time I experienced it. The first time I was completely aware of it was sixth grade Marysville, Ohio. And I was one of the first black people to ever go to that school. And I remember that it was so significant that they didn't allow me to come to school for almost six months. Right. And so my mom fought for me to get into school. Then when I got into the school, you know, I was chased home almost every day as the kids called me nigger. Wow. And again, not knowing what it was, I just knew it was wrong. I didn't understand it. And I was afraid. I was afraid of white people. I was afraid that if I hit a white person, I would be lynched because I'd seen these stories. Um, and I and I remember this was a glory moment because I remember my mama said, Gally, I said, yeah, mama. She said, you know, you can hit a white kid. I said, huh? She said, you know, you can beat him up. I said, I can fight a white person. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, I ain't got to run no more. She was like, no, nah, I went back to school with some ass. Uh, <laughs> very few people called me a nigger after that. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, but I remember the, I remember that was the first time. So, I mean, I, and, and, and it was crazy that they asked that question. So I'm curious for y'all, like, when was, I mean, do you remember the first time as black men sitting at this table, the first time you experienced racism? For me, the first time I experienced racism was when I was in the 10th grade. I was born and raised in California and I guess in Cal well in California I didn't really experience any racism because I grew up in the black and Latino and Hispanic communities but when I got to the, the 10th grade I was in deep south Mississippi and my first experience with racism was um, when I was in the band at Prentice High School and it was an unseasonably cold winter and our air or the heater in the 
room went out. And it was a complete cinder block room. And they would not fix it. Now, in Prentice, Mississippi, you have two high schools. You have both of them are public, but you have the white Prentice High School, where all the white white kids went who could afford to go there, privately funded. And then you have the other Prentice High School, where all of the black kids went, as well as the white kids who didn't have the money to go to the other Prentice High School. And just... In our superlatives, Mr. and Mrs. PHS, our homecoming court, we had a black set and a white set for everything. Here I am in the 80s. And in Prentice, Mississippi, we're still living a segregated lifestyle. That's crazy. Separate but equal is what they called it. Wow. And I mean, a full black homecoming court, king and queen. A full white homecoming court king that is queen. insanity. A full black Mr. and Mrs. I can bring you my yearbook. I have to do it. I got my yearbook. And it's a complete black set and a white set for everything. Mm. Wow. Trey? Um, I don't know uh, that I remember my first encounter. I was uh, trying to think of it here, but I do um, remember... Uh, being younger, I think I was maybe a freshman in high school. And and for remember, I told you guys I was focused a lot on football, so a lot of stuff, you know, I missed. It just flew past me. But I do remember having a moment in high school, uh, maybe my freshman year, and um, I think the systematic, you know, we lived in the projects. Uh, Greenwood, me and my mom and uh, I think my brother, yeah, because we went to high school one year together. And um, I do remember having a moment where I was like, dang, why are everybody in the projects black? Like like 98 point, you know, whatever percent, 95 percent, whatever you want, but, it, but it's majority black. And I remember thinking like, wow, this is interesting. Like, whoa. Like, why everybody, I'm talking, like, it just jogged my mind for a second. Like, but I didn't get to, like, I wasn't advanced enough to understand the systematic, um, the privilege. Like, I didn't understand any of that. And again, uh, you know, most of my focus was football. So I probably spent maybe 15, 20 minutes thinking about it, and then I was on the practice or practicing, you know. And so, and so I do remember having that moment and just thinking, like, dang, why are everybody in the hood black? Mm. Mm. Why are everybody in the hood black? Yeah. Economics. Hmm. Yeah. I was, I was, jump in there. Go, 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 go. I, yeah, I got something, but jump in there. Oh, boy. Um, I really don't. No, it was probably a lot of more subtle stuff. I would get, it, what's really weird is I would get teased, um, and high school is what I remember, getting teased by black kids and white kids about being, acting white, which is probably a whole nother, you know, topic of conversation, I guess. So I don't remember, like, my first experience, but it's been really heavy, so I want to tell a quick story about one of my, la- the, actually the only time somebody called me a nigger to my face. So, Did you smash him? 
<laughs> no, but I got the <laughs> believe me, I got the last. I believe me, I got the last laugh. So, actually, I'll, I'll tell you who did it. It was they were they couldn't have been more than eight or nine years old. Oh, rolled up on me like dead in my face, pointed at me, and they're like, "Nigger!" <laughs> and I started. That's I not looked, funny, but I'm with I, you. No, but I looked at him and I started laughing. And I raised the I raised the belt over my head, and I was the, I knew right then that I was the biggest heel in the company. I was wrestling a sh- at a show in Cave City, and that's that was the that's the last time and the only time I could think of that somebody called me that to my face. And so I actually got it doing my job, which was actually which, so so when they did, I just laughed at them like, ah, ha, ha, you gave me what I wanted to beat it. <laughs> <laughs> Tia, what it do, babe? We hear you. Can you hear me? Absolutely. Yes, we hear you. Welcome. We can. Welcome. This is great because that was freaking frustrating. There is nothing worse than like wanting to jump in a conversation. And yeah, yeah. So hello, fellas. What's, hey. up? What's up? So I probably missed a whole bunch, but don't stop the show because of me. I'm I'm just hearing y'all just talk about whatever you're talking about. So continue. Done data. Done data. So we want you to chime in on um your thoughts your feelings at this present moment uh, about maybe uh, the whole perspective from Brianna Taylor to now and uh, the last, what, 12, 13, 14 hours, 15 hours? Uh, you know, um, well, well, first of all, let me say that uh, Pluto is in retrograde. This is what they said. And so um, I didn't even know what that meant. So it meant that everything is topsy-turvy. Um, so, but the issues um, about, you know, Breonna Taylor and, um, you know, David McAtee and even over here um, in, in Indiana um, with, um, was it was it Malcolm Milky Williams? Um, you know, all of these all of these issues are not new in, in the black community anyway. I think what's different now, what's different now is that we have so many of our white friends, our white brothers and sisters who are like, like clicking in and, and getting it. And we understand that historically there's never been any change in this country without, um, without a, a multiracial coalition of people to make things work. We've never been able to, to do it with just black people. That's right. um, it's never happened. I mean, we make noise all the time, but I'm telling you right now, when, when folks watch the 13th um, by Ava DuVernay, I can't tell you how many folks, folks were floored that Newt Gingrich was on it. Um, I mean, looking and, and looking at systemic, um, issues in the criminal justice system. So, you know, a, a lot is going on. Today has been a lot. Yesterday has been a lot. Um, I'm really proud of the progress that we're making. My, my sister can't stay away from downtown. Um, whoop, whoop. And <laughs> she, she cannot stay away. But I mean, for the most part, we, we couldn't either. Uh, because unless you were able to be down there and see the sacrifices that people are making, I probably would, I'm a really judgmental person. So I probably would have been subject to um, making judgments about what's going on down there and people throwing things and why are they doing this and why are they doing that? If I weren't down there um, to actually witness what people are doing um, and what they're fighting for and how they police each other and how they comfort each other. And it may not look the way that people like for it to look, but I think, you know, 
we got we're, so then we get into that subject of what it is that's comfortable for you to see um what type of protest is is okay and valid to be had um and at this point we don't really care <laughs> we don't i mean you can't take a knee and be quiet you know, you can't you can't do any of that. You can't stand in the street and hold up a, a poster board. You can't do that. You know, so so what exactly can we do that's going to help you to be OK with um, with how it is that we're, we're fighting for change? Apparently nothing. So no, nah, because dem the Democratic, <laughs> the, the, the Democratic process uh, that I guess our country supposed to represent is out the window. Like, you know, freedom of speech is gone. Right. I mean, press can say what they want. You know, police can do what they want. You know, sound like a communist country to me under the under the guides of a bunch of mayors and governors and, and, and presidents that can kiss my ass right now. You know um, what? You know what? You are, what? In, a mood. You are in such a mood. I am. You know what? I, I, I'm, 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 I'm trying. I'm really trying not to talk because I'm really pissed off. And I, I do. I feel like there's not much I can do. I, you know, I was thinking about um, and Tia, you, you, you'll do this. You'll know this better than me. Um, William F. Berkeley and um, James Baldwin de debate, and it's Buckley. Buckley, yeah. So you know, back then, you know, there was a conversation between the two of them, and and they were talking about racism in America. And it's crazy. I'm I'm picturing that entire debate in my head. How relevant it is today, and we're we're talking about. What is it? I wrote it down because I think we're talking about a period that's what, 1969? Right. And, you know, he was talking about how, you know, you know, we, we've been making noise. We've been talking. We've been asking for change. You know, at that point, they're talking about civil rights. Today, we're just talking about equality. You know, so I'm going to just say just talking about equality. Um, we're talking about economic equality. But, you know, the fact is, is that the United States government, the U.S., our city, our both, both, you know, both Fed and state have a catalog of oppression. You know, there is a catalog of white supremacy. There is a history of what we're facing today. And, you know, it's it's crazy because peaceful protests and we're speaking specifically to Louisville because they're not tearing up shit like they did in Minneapolis. And see, Minneapolis got results because some cops are going to jail. And I'm not recommending that Louisville burn down the mayor's office. I'm not saying that, but if that's the type of thing that gets results, because conversation apparently doesn't work, right? Because a cop can still be a bully till he gets his ass whooped. Let that breathe. Hmm. Right? You know, the mayor's going to keep sending out his dogs until you put that dog down. Whew. And I'm not saying that's what we should do. But when we go and ask and have conversation, when there's a peaceful protest in the street and you arrest women, like they're animals. Big, bold, domestic ass, punk ass cops stand towering over top of them, stand towering, towering right. over top of women. Right. Who all they had was a voice. Huh. Right. When when that when that kind of shit is allowed, you know, that's that's the thing that makes me want to punch somebody in the throat. Right. Right. You know, I don't want to ask you to be just. I don't want to ask you anymore to be kind. I don't want to ask you to be a human being because if me, if, if now I see if putting on a, a police uniform makes you inhumane, then I should treat you like the dog you are and put a collar around your neck and put your ass in a cage. 
So I'm upset. That's some feelings. Right. I am. I'm in my feelings. That that motherfucker looked me dead in my face and said, if I cross the street, I was going to jail. Wow. I'm coming there to protect my women. But you know what? Like slavery, you know what they did to the men? They emasculated them right in front of their women. You know they what? Made them I'm useless. sorry. I'm so glad you said that. I'm sorry, Miguel. I, you know what? I thought that. I thought that last night. I thought that last night when I saw you and Zave. When I saw you and Zave across the street, and see, this is the issue that I think a lot of people don't understand. What happens to Black people is that you know, it with, with generational trauma, you have these collective memories and you have this collective trauma if you are connected in that way and and where i was in that moment was watching two men be utterly powerless utterly powerless wow to protect and to do anything other than watch what was going to happen to important women in their lives and that's exactly what happened in, in the time of slavery, the men couldn't really do anything while their master raped their wife, raped their daughters, um, you know, beat their children. They were essentially powerless to do anything. And you know what? But let's not, you know, let's not believe that many of them didn't fight. They either got beat to death and death and lost their lives. But it's a powerless feeling. And that's what I watched last night was. There's nothing that they could do. Now, granted, they weren't being beat last night. They weren't, that was not happening, but it's still the same kind of scenario. And it's issues like that, that really send us into a a type of zone that people don't understand. And we almost have to bring ourselves back to the, to the present and, and take a breath and then take the steps we need to take in order to um, to get the results that we want. And ultimately, it was about being able to get um, get those women out out of jail. And that that happened this morning with the help of some wonderful friends. Yes. Um, yeah. Wonderful, wonderful friends. Um, you know, shout out to you know, shout out to to Kate and and Brandy and. Just some amazing. Courtney. Yeah, there was a there was a lot of folks who reached out and was like, "Yo, what can we do?" And and we can't go down the long list, and some of them probably don't even want to be listed. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is like I, I'm not I'm not the type of dude who who will ever feel helpless. Um, but I will tell you that, and and if if there's an elected official out there that's listening, if there's a state representative that's listening, if there's a cop out there that is listening, the shit you doing or the things that you're not doing to bring this to a calm. You are you are triggering a population of people who are already full of your trauma because of the catalog and the history of violence from white people on black folk. And at some point in time, the shit that went down yesterday, you know, the right hand of the slave master telling me I can't do nothing. That ain't gonna happen too many more times. And I know if I feel that little old me feel that way, how many other people feel that way? Right, right. How many other people are going to stand, continue to stand by and be bullied and oppressed? Right. Right. So for a mayor, for a city council person, 
for a police chief, there's a point in time that you got to realize that one, you're outnumbered. Two, proactive response to the history of, 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 of white supremacy and systemic racism can end this. If you just open your eyes and realize that there are things that you can do right now to change the landscape of the shit we're all dealing with. Right, right. Or it does get worse. Right. Let me let me let me ask this real quick or ask Tia to expound on this. And she already kind of alluded to it um, in her comments. And, I, and if possible, if Scott could expound as well. Um, I'll bring in. A, we got another guest. So, as yes. you do, Kyle, you know, ask your question. And then if Kyle wants to. Right. Yeah, go Kyle, ahead. shout out to Kyle uh, in the building with us. Um, a couple of days ago, Tia and I had a conversation about um, the millennials being involved, you know, and in the mix. And we're not just talking blacks. We're talking blacks, whites, Latina. Like, we talking millennials. And they in there like, um, you know, we, hey, look here, man. You know, you, you got to relax. We, we got to get some justice here. Like, and it's, and it's multiracial and um, it's extremely uh, impressive to see. Uh, and, uh, you know, these, these young millennials, these young lions that don't take no for an answer, um, you know, step up and have that courage like that. So if Tia, Scott, Kyle, if you could expound on uh, how that makes you feel, you know, what your thoughts are about it, uh, we'd, we'd appreciate that. I'm gonna jump in just real, just real quick because there's just a, a slight correction to that. We had talked about the millennials and um and and Gen Z. Yes. Um, you know, so so Gen Z is the generation that was born uh, between 1995 and, and 2015, and so those who are 25 and and under you know, are with the exception of 2016 babies, I don't know what they are yet, um, are considered Gen Z. And we were at a, at a NAACP youth rally and this young girl, she, she read a poem about the bite back generation. This is the generation that is not gonna take the BS. This is the generation that is not gonna tolerate this stuff. This generation is gonna bite you back. And I think that's what we're seeing because this is also the generation of kids that have uh, been raised up in active shooter drills. These are the kids who have been, um, who have rarely had moments where there aren't moments of high anxiety based upon all the social injustices um, that they've been, that they've been exposed to. And it is a part of their norm. Um, and, and they are at a breaking point and understand that, you know, we can no longer, we can no longer say who we are as the American people and continue to do the things that we're doing. It, does, it doesn't make sense. That level of hypocrisy cannot be reconciled. Um, and, and they are challenging us to, to look at our irreconcilable um, you know, beliefs and our irreconcilable values. And so it's, it's millennials, but it's, it's, these, it's these Gen Zers. They are, yeah. woo! They're, they're biting back. So that's all I'm going to say on that one. Scott, Cal, your thoughts. 
So uh, I'll piggyback kind of where Tia was at. You know, I, I find the, the group of kids that are in that age group of 25 and under, and it's crazy that I'm calling somebody 25 years old a kid at this point, but uh, the passion that they have is just unbelievable. I mean, uh, even just the, the times where I've been out on the ground, you know, walking with people, the number of 15, 16, 17-year-old kids that are just out there, you know, fighting the power and they're and they're doing all the right things you know and and we're having powerful conversations with these kids and and they just seem to understand it and get it you know we we one time we were actually we were speaking about the fact of reconciliation and things like that and and one of them was like he's like reconciliation he's like shit he goes that that means that there was ever a time when it was actually good and safe and he goes that's just a fucking cover he goes, let's be honest <laughs> true story and i was like damn i'm like so like and I was like, he's exactly right. So, so th- those are the type of things that these kids are just really, really thinking, and they're really just thought provoking as far as you know how they're going to address these situations. And they're extremely passionate when they're driving for that force. And I, I think the country's got a great future. We just got to continue to move what great momentum we have going right now, and and not let it die down. Got you, got you, Kyle. I'm YouTube. My far bad. You got to unmute your mic. Okay. There we go. Coming yep, we got you, Doctor. Okay. <laughs> uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, one of the things that I've noticed the most is for years you've had people talk about how young people are so entitled, young people are so, they've been told that they're all special. One of the side effects of making everyone feel empowered that they're special, that they have worth, that they have value, they're not going to take it the way previous generations did. Mm-hmm. Previous generations were told, well, you just got to suck it up and roll with it. You know, they, it, it, life was hard, but that's the American way because you just got to hustle and hustle and hustle until you fall over dead. And new generations, we call them stuff because they demand more. And in, in a moment like this, them not saying it's okay, them not putting up with what's happened in the past, and it's dragging some of the older generations out of their apathy. The people in previous generations. Right. Uh, it's interesting you say that, too, because um, in our conversation, Tia, um, one of the things that you and I talked about was that, um, you know, when we was coming up, if your parents or an adult told you to do something, you just did it. Right. True like, story. Yeah. Like, like, like mm-hmm. if it was... Uh, hey, don't be late coming home for dinner. Be home by the time before or the street lights come on. Be, be, right before the street lights come on, but they was late. Well, <laughs> we just accepted it. Okay, well that's the rules. That's what it is. These kids here nowadays are say, "Hey, wait a minute! I thought you told me I couldn't be late, but you late." That's that Gen Z that Tia was speaking of, and and Cal was referring to. Like these 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 kids just ain't going for the the BS. Right and and nor they should and nor should they. I mean, I here's the thing. I'm gonna pick on Gen X, right? Because I, I don't know if it's because of parenting. I don't I don't know what it what it was or what it is. However, we we have fallen. We have we have we we have accepted status quo, right? Mm. Some of us out here, some of us black folks out here. Um, accepted that racism exists and we just have to live with it. Mm-hmm. Some mm-hmm. of us out here 
became so apathetic that we didn't even see what was happening to us and to our children that we trained them to to be abused. Right. America, you know, I grew up in an abusive household. But I also grew up in an abusive country. Wow. And one thing I've learned about being abused as a child is that sometimes when the abuse was done, I learned to abuse myself. (laughs) America has never, 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 never has not stopped abusing people of color ever. And even when the, the, the subtleties look like the abuse has stopped, what ends up happening sometimes is we abuse ourselves and we teach our children to abuse ourselves. We teach our children that they're only allowed so much, right? You can't live in the good neighborhoods, wow. right? You can only live in the subpar neighborhoods. You can't get the best interest rates on your mortgage. You can only get the interest rates that they want you to have. Right. You can't get real business loans. Um, you can only get the business loan that they set aside at a high interest rate with a short term, Right. right? We, we so we we teach our children that you know i i love the fact that these young folks are like fuck you yeah. you know if you eating steak i'm eating steak right you got pork chops i want pork chops that's right you got it you you got a mansion i want a mansion right and um by the way if you don't let me have a mansion i'm gonna burn yours down right i love it right because now we we at some point in time we just might find equality because I, you know i'm a firm believer that you give your power away because folks can't take it from you. That's right. Now, there, there can be repercussions Yes. for evoking your power, yes. using your power, um, depending on how you choose to. These young folks ain't giving their power away. What, I, what I've seen in the last couple of weeks in Louisville, what I'm watching across the country, is that these young people said, that's okay. We're going to evoke our power. We understand the repercussions. The question is, do you? Right. Right. I I, I love Gen Z. Right. Let's I, go. Hey, Les Brown said, it's not what you leave for your kids that matter. It's what you leave in them. Yeah. Yep. You know, let's go. You know, we, we can't, we can no longer afford to allow our abuser to abuse us. And, you know, as a fighter, you know, Tia, Tia once asked me, you know, Gelly, when the chaos is done and you don't have to fight anymore, what do you do? Wow. And, and and on a personal note, sometimes I don't have that answer. I will say, though, I, I hope that in my lifetime, in our lifetime, our children don't have to fight this anymore. Right. Right. I hope that we can ask someone, what do you do now that equality has be realized? Social equality. We've gotten restorative justice. We've allowed or we've rewritten policies to make equity in this country equal for everyone. Right. I would I can't I hope that day somebody can say, well, you ain't gotta fight anymore. Man, well, that, I, I, I want to jump in here, you know, because I think that th- that's a really good good thing to look at. 
because after all the fighting is done, so just 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 say like we're in a war, okay? Let's say so this is a war, all right? So you know we all know that you know in war there's destruction, there's damage, there's all of this, you know. And after the war is done, you know we still have the work of recovery yes. and and healing and and rebuilding. And I, I think that's one of the challenges that, and I can only speak as a black person. Um, that's one of the challenges that I think that um, we, you know, we have to ask ourselves um, because just like you said, just because an abuser stops abusing you, you know, sometimes we are, we, we teach ourselves to continuously abuse ourselves, whether we're talking about um, issues of colorism, I mean, this is this is huge um, or or even dealing with each other in business. You know, this is why I don't deal with black businesses, you know, because black people don't know how to run their business. X, Y, Z. White people don't have to be in the mix in order for that to happen. No, that's that's us. And so and so after and this is my fantasy because I'm an Aquarius and that's what I do. I fantasize about the world being wonderful. Let's go. You know, Pluto after, retrograde. That's right. That's right. Come on. Yep. So, so after this is, as, as we're doing this, you know, I think we really have to look at, I, I really call them contaminants, is looking at the, the contamination that we have adopted um, as, as we've grown under a system of white supremacy. And, and I think it's also important to be able to, to have real definitions that people understand when we're, when we're talking about white supremacy. And it is basically about anything that is European um, and white being, you know, better. You don't have to hate anybody to, to, to do that. You can just believe that you're better and believe that your interests are the top interests and that other people's interests are lesser, um, are, are of lesser value and lesser importance. So, you know, when you grow up under a system like that, it, it takes a lot to decontaminate and deconstruct um, how we've learned to, to be abusive to each other. So um, I know I'm rambling, but there's, it's important to begin to look at what, what recovery looks like, you know, what healing looks like. Because after the war is done, you just can't walk around looking at the destruction, looking for another war. And I'm not saying that this war is going to ever be done because we in the United States and this war is profitable. Right. So, say, so that again, say that again for our listeners. This war is what? It, 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 it's profitable. Absolutely. It, it, profitable. Um, it, it really took Ta-Nehisi Coates to help me understand. He kept using this term of black bodies. Black, he wouldn't even say in black people. And I think it was between the world and me, I think, but he just kept talking about what it's like to walk around in this black body and what a black body meant, you know, because before black body, a black body, when we're talking about in slavery, had nothing to do with hatred. It had nothing to do with hating a black body. It, it had something to do with how much a black body would cost and how much a black body could produce, how much a black body cost and how much a black body can produce. All right. And this is not only, you know, what can they do in the field? This is how many babies can they breed? This is I mean, it, it was that. And so there's always been this transition of what it is like to live in a black body. So this body that is now seen as dangerous, this body that is now seen as hypersexual, this body that is now. So let's mix that together and let's go ahead and imprison this black body to continue to have it make money for us. And we are all at risk in black bodies unless we learn how to conduct ourselves 
unless we learn how to conduct ourselves where we don't get caught in a system. But that's not always that's not always the way things go. So I, I think that have, having lived under that and continuing to live under that is something that a lot of people don't understand and they won't understand. Um, but it, it's the thing that fuels our fight um every day whether we're talking about being on the street or even with these two gentlemen we're about to bring back um uh you know school colors which was basically a, a race relations group it wasn't even it was a play but it was a race relations group and and it was it was important for us to have that and to have that platform so that we could bring it to an audience to make race and racial discussion something that was um necessary for us to talk about, particularly to white people, not just the black people, black people talk about race all the time. This is nothing like nothing. Right. And, and let me jump, <laughs> let me jump back on the economics of it real quick, you mm -hmm. know, because this is all about wealth, right? Yeah. And we, we know that the 13th amendment, the fastest way to make a slave is to give them a felony. Yes. And, and so above and beyond black bodies, we got, a lot of black, brown, and white impoverished, economically challenged people yes. who are getting caught up in this system who by definition of our current United States of America can be turned into a slave based on the amendment. That's some shit that gotta change. Right? right? Mm -hmm. You know, so this is about economic power. So when we're, sometimes when we're talking to a police chief or mayor or governor and we're asking them to change the power construct of their economics they don't want to change that right 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 because that's right. why your police chief can make six figures and not have a degree wow that's why your police officers can make anywhere from 30 to 60 to 70 thousand dollars a year and not have a degree can't nobody else do that right, right? that's why your judges can sit for ages in the same spaces and write laws that benefit only the wealthy. Right? Because as soon as they start helping the poor, well, we change, we, we, we're affecting the economic system. Right? The reason Minneapolis got results because of Floyd's death was because they burned, they was burning that bitch to the ground. Right. That was hurting the economic system. The right. thing, the very thing that they thrive in. But here, I want you to understand why war makes money. Because they burned the city to the ground, these white contractors are about to get a shitload of money to build it back up. That's a wealth distribution, right? Let's see if any black contractors get any support in that opportunity of rebuilding that city. That's why Killer Mike came out and said, Atlanta, don't destroy our community because it's one of the few communities in the country that's right. black owned. Right. That was, but it does not stop the power structure from murdering people in the street. And you saw that at that Wendy's. Right. You saw that when they pulled the two young black boys out of the car. Right. Right. This, the power structure is still there. Right. Right. But when we come to small towns like Louisville, where we know racism is, is deep. Right. It's claws is dug in. It's a it's part of the root. Why? Because we know that they sold slaves down on Sixth Street. Right. There's a plaque that speaks to it. Right. Right? We know in Jeffersonville and in New Albany, racism is deep. 
Right. It's so deep that cats are scared to protest over here. Ooh. It's so deep Ooh, that these true. white people love my brothers that's on here who can get on a chat, a Facebook chat, a blog, and talk about violence against black people and protesters if they attempt to protest over here. See, somewhere else you would go to jail for inciting a riot or terroristic behavior. But over here, that shit's tolerated. It's accepted. It is part of the norm. But, I mean, we got some crooked-ass cops and some crooked-ass mayors and a bunch of city council people I wouldn't piss on if they was on fire. Right. But that's another story. So, Lord so, so, mercy. So, so let, me get, <laughs> let me ask you this, and I want everybody to share their thoughts about this um, because we kind of got into it in our meeting. Yes, sir. And uh, we're going to bring it back. Um, defunding the police. There's a lot of talk about defunding the police. Yes, sir. And... You know, of course, we had a difference of opinion, but I'd just like to go around the room and I'll start first uh, by, you know, what are your thoughts uh, regarding defunding the police? And 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 my thoughts are um, because the system is broken. Because the system is broken, um, it, it needs to be tore down and rebuilt. Right. And that takes money, of course, obviously. But I think we have to tear it down and build it back up with proper structure, if that makes sense. And and if you have to remove some funds for it to be tore down and then pour more funds back in for it to be built correctly, then that's what should be done. That's my thoughts, Damon. Um, I want to, as I'm answering the question, I want to touch back on something that both Tia and Miguel brought up about the, about the war and the fact that it is war, but we have been in occupied territory from the beginning and we're still even today in occupied territory, the, the, the these here great grand United States of America as black and brown people where we have, and I, I love the way Miguel um, brought it out about becoming the abuser and primary the person you primarily abuse is yourself. And I was looking up a lot of different things and I looked up the definition for segregation as I was looking over a variety of stuff. And the definition of segregation is this, um, is the separation or isolation of a race, class, or ethnic group by enforced or voluntary resistance in an area by barrier or social intercourse by separate educational facilities or other discriminatory means. And as I looked at that, I began to think about how we as, as black people have learned how to segregate ourselves from the people who segregated us. And it's so, in so many ways, you know, and Tia brought it up one time about, I don't want to work, work with this black business or go to, to, to this um, black establishment, how we just separate and segregate ourselves so much so that we can't even come together. Now, to your question, you know, I was on the on the, the um, I don't think defunding the police is, is the way to go. I don't I think that's going to lead to anarchy. But as I as I sit here and I listen to the conversation, and as I think about what has happened and we talk about the economic aspects of it and the monetization of black bodies. I love the way Tia put that. The vilification and the monetization of black bodies of black people. 
they will take our culture, they will take and strip everything from us and use it so that they can make money. Mm-hmm. And maybe we do need to hit them where it counts because talking doesn't get you results, hasn't gotten us results. We, we were peaceable in the 60s. We were peaceable in the civil rights movement to a point. And now we are here in the 2000s asking the same thing that we were asking in the 60s. Fighting the, fighting the same fight. Same fight. Facing the same bully. I, we need to do something different. And maybe we need to do, tear it all down. All so right. that we can't, so that just like in Mississippi, they burn the fields. But in burning the fields, it creates rich soil so that you can plant a new crop. And that's what we need, an entire new crop. And maybe the only way we're going to get that new crop is to burn the existing one down. Right. Damon? I can't say it any better than that, really. <laughs> um, they talked about, I, I, I can't, I don't know anything else uh, more than you guys do. Um, and, but my opinion is this, this is, I want to come in from a different angle. Um, you know, they talk about defunding the police or whatever. Nobody's talking about where that should go. And they've been defunding education forever. Wow. Hmm. Wow. Real talk. So if you can, what, what do you need a tank for? What do you need all this riot gear for? You know what I mean? You don't need that stuff. You put that, and you put that in education, the foundation gets built better than it's ever been built. Wow. Then all of a sudden, crimes goes, crime goes down anyway. If they had left well enough alone, crime went down, what was it, uh, right before the crack epidemic, which they funneled and all that, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like, if left alone or left to our own, uh, left to just equality, that it'll be... We'll be fine. Right, <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Right. And it, it, it yeah, that's, yeah, that's all I got to say. So, I'm a, I'm before you go, because I know you're going to pop off. So. I'm not, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm on the calm <laughs> state today, man. I'm telling you, I'm easy. You only got eight minutes. We're going to go Scott. We're going to go Scott, Kyle, and then Tia, then Miguel. Go ahead, Scott. You got all something. Right. So, I, I want to piggyback A, what, what Damon and, Tia we're talking about and, and I've been trying to put in some work so I've been reading um, well not really reading I've been listening to a Dick Gregory book um, The Black History of America mm-hmm. and one of the things that he talked about in that and, and it was something that I never really thought about but was the fact that, that black people have been so brainwashed by what has happened throughout slavery, reconciliation, Jim Crow, things like that that like how come black women go to beauty salons and white women go to the salon, you know, like black women are already beautiful. Like you have to go there to get pretty and things like that. And when you hear things like that, those are the things that like, I never thought about those things. And, um, there was another thing that he talked about whenever, like they took people out of slavery out of through, um, I think it was in 1870, they took a group of African American soldiers and sent them out West to clear the Indians, they were called the Buffalo soldiers. Mm-hmm. And the reason that the Indians called them the Buffalo soldiers, cause they had afros and big hair and things like that. And like, and they were just, it would have been easier for them to, 
basically join forces with the Indians and come back and do whatever. But they were so ingrained with what the, they had already been in, imprisoned with um, that that's what they did. So it's just kind of crazy when you look at, you know, how those things have been inbred in people and how that has wrapped around them. Now, as far as defunding the police, I'm one of those people that think you should refund the police because nowhere else in the in the world do we allow do they allow people that have basically 21 weeks of training to go out and police their neighborhoods. I mean, what kind of shit is that? I mean, we literally let people that go to an academy spend 21 weeks, teach them how to shoot a gun, and they don't really have anything beyond that to come back in and police our neighborhoods. Wow. I mean, if you look in anywhere else in the world, it's two, three, four years worth of training. And, and, and it's not just training on how to shoot a gun, how to do this. It's, it's how to, um, you know, de-escalate a situation and things to that nature. And to me, that's what they need to do. We need to do a better job of training our police officers to say, hey, this is this and this is that. Like we need to be taking them at one week out of every single month or eight or 20 hours or whatever it is and, and, and training them constantly in de-escalation situations. Because I think, unfortunately, because we have so many military gentlemen that are joining the police force that they don't know how to do anything except for what is a heightened expectation of what they did when they were in war. And what is that? That's to shoot, right? Right. But or even in kill. war, they have uh, uh, levels of engagement. You know what I mean? They don't even have right. that here. Right. So that's the problem. So I think we really, really need to just spend time teaching and coaching and, and, and doing all those things. And we also need to take some of that money that you said, right, riot gear, big tanks. I mean, some of that stuff that's in the Jeff Police Department – station is unbelievable equipment i'm talking you know probably four hundred thousand dollar machines and we need to put that back in education oh yeah they got machines where we can straight go to war like if there was a if there was a war here they have machine they have vehicles that they can mount 50 caliber machine guns to and straight go they can they can they can militarize their drones in seconds right so i mean we we can use that money to do something else but i think the biggest thing is We've got to do better training. These guys have got to be better, better situated to go in when a, when a, when a, when something's going bad. Even if it's just a domestic violence situation, right? They have to be able to go in and have a calm conversation with someone and not automatically just grab somebody, snatch them up, and take them to jail or do whatever and whatnot. And, and maybe what we do in that situation is maybe they take somebody like Tia or another counselor or something like that where they are always in a in a police car to, to help with those situations. If we're not going to train them to do the things properly and how to handle every single situation and train them constantly so they're ready for those situations whenever they may arise, then we've got to add people that are ready to do those type of things. True story. Wow. True story. That's a, that's Excellent point. Good I want to say something right quick just, to, just on what you just said, Scott. Um, I guess I'm just tired. How much time do we have to give you? Not you personally. How much time? It's been 400 years out of slavery. How much more time do we have to give uh, before they stop killing? Killing through gentrification, through economics, our people. How much more time? It's like you're in high school and the bully has you up against a locker 
and he's getting ready to pound you in the face. You just like say, wait, can I, can I get a little more time before you hit me? <laughs> you know, can I, can I, can, can I, can I run down to and check into my classroom b- before you just pound me again? And I think that's just, I don't know. I'm kind of feeling like I'm kind of out of time. I'll be 50 years old next year, next year. Wow. And in my 50 years of life, how much more time do we need to, do we need to ask for before they stop? And it, it, mind you, yes, it's not everybody, but we, we see it. We know it, it can't be hidden as my, my friend Denise said, per, uh, posted earlier is the digital witness and that digital witness doesn't take sides. It shows you what's happening. So when we think of this time component and trust me, I understand that it's going to happen in time, but do we, do we keep need to ask, keep asking for time? I don't know that we need to keep asking for time. Right. Tia, uh, cows. Oh, who was it? It's Kyle. My fault. Kyle, go ahead, doctor. You gotta, you gotta unmute yourself, brother. There you go. So many points brought up. Uh, one, I wanted to thank you for making this platform that apparently caters to dirty white guys with facial hair and bad vision. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get you plugged into some Wi Fi, uh, off that Wi Fi, too. Yeah, we gotta get, <laughs> get you some Ethernet. So go right. ahead, go ahead. Fair enough. Uh, the point that was just made, how long it takes, and a believer is always going to do until you stop him. A bully is always going to bully you. And so you pop them in the nose. Mm. They're not going to suddenly drill a conscience and go, oh my God, I've been, you know, if you let them get away with it, they'll get away with it. And they build systems to keep themselves exactly where they are and to hold on to what they have and to try to take as much as they can to you and to make it where there's no possible way that you can come to their level. Um, about the mentality that was mentioned earlier about um, it's, it's, an, it's an, a, an abuser abusive mentality. You have battered wife situation. Wife will be beaten for years. Someone shows up to stop it. Instead of running to the person trying to save them from that situation, they will attack the person trying to save them from that situation, protect the person who's been abusing them because it's what they have. But you have a young generation that hasn't felt that abuse to that level. It hasn't been ingrained in them. And so they're like, I don't have to put up with this. So I'm not going to put up with this. And your candles. Some of us in the older generations, but some of us in the older generations, they're really set in ways. Either as the abuser or as the abused to the point that we're, we're not going to get out of it. So it's up to everyone that has a conscience, whether they always had a conscience or they just found it this week, uh, just stand up. Uh, to the point about uh, defunding the police. Uh, absolutely. The precedent for it uh, in Camden, New Jersey. They wanted to make a change. They uh, canceled the contract they had the way they got around it. They canceled the contract, getting rid of the police force, abolished the police force entirely, disbanded it, which canceled the contract they had with the FOC, with the union. That gave them the ability and the, the leeway to create a new contract with a new police force. And every time you would have a contract come up, and it would be, it, it, it's never. Less money, it's always more money. It's always, oh, we need this other thing. We need a, an armored personnel carrier like they got over in Louisville, which I call the Baconator. Uh, they have, they always have a reason why they need more money 
And the first thing that happens is uh, we're going to lose another social program. It's going to come out of education. It's going to come out of counseling. You have it where cops are retained uh, in a flooded center. Which means every single situation they go into is a threat. And they're only trying to figure out how big of a threat it is. They're never going to go into a situation and think, this isn't a threat, this isn't a problem, this is because it's. Hey, Kyle, you breaking up a little bit. Do me a favor. Say that last part, and then I'm I'm gonna roll in. But you you breaking up? You said something is a threat. Say that part again. When cops are trained about threat assessment, am I coming in okay now? It's still choppy. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna repeat some of the things you just said, but I I like to hear that threat assessment piece. Okay. See if I can get it this way. Uh, Cops are trained to make threat assessments. Whenever they walk into any situation, their first priority is how big of a threat it is, which means they are literally saying every situation I go into is a threat, whether it is or not. So it's putting them on a war footing going in because there's situations they should be nowhere near. It should be a counselor. It should be some other aspect of of local government or of a community organization. But because every time funds come up for those other organizations – they get reduced or just completely wiped out. And that money gets folded into the cops. Cops are ended up doing things they should have no business doing. And so if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Got you. Got you. Good wow, luck. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I like that. Um, did you? Well, uh, part, of, part, of, part of what I, you know, we heard, I knew it was a little bit of choppy, but he was talking about police, you know, a um, having a threat assessment before they walk into a situation, um, but identifying every every situation is a big threat. Right. And, right. and right. the thing is, is that when, when you are a military yep. police department, yep. well, you're one, you're always at war and the, the, the role of the soldier is to occupy, right? The role of a police officer is to maintain peace and be proactive in, in that engagement, right. right? The role of the police officer it originally, well, prior to them being slave catchers and KKK, um, as it morphed into something else, their, their job um, is public safety, which means that if you have somebody who is, who is, who is, who is, is facing something, Tia, you'll correct me, because as a therapist who's mentally unwell or having a breakout, their job is to service them into a well situation, not to walk in guns blazing and say, oh, they was mentally ill, they pulled a knife. Well, your, your training ought to be able to be able to de-escalate that and protect yourself in that individual and not serve them a death sentence. Right, right. Right? Um, so, you know, that that's part of that. Um, you know, you know, Kyle says something about the bully. You know, until, I love beating up bullies. Until you As hit it, them in the it, mouth. They don't stop. That's right. They do not stop. You know, and one thing we know about bullies is that they have confidence issues. See, see the bully is the most vulnerable emotionally and psychologically mm. of everybody in the room. Mm. Say that again. The bully psychologically and emotionally is immature. They got confidence issues. Right. 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 So they want to find someone who they can pick on, who can't fight back. Right. Who won't retaliate. Right. 
That's what makes them the bully. So I like what Kyle said. Punch that. You know, if you can't punch the bully in the face, it's time we find somebody who can. 100%. Real talk. Right. And if the pull, if the bully is a puppet, well, it's time to punch the puppet master in the face. It's time to cut the strings. I, I'm done with that one. Tia, okay. go ahead. You had an opinion. Or, or right. Trainer. Yeah. Right. So let's jump into Tia and her thoughts. And uh, All right. I'm going to try to make this very, very brief. Um, you know, Suge has been listening to, to our discussion, and she wanted to make sure that um, her thought was heard. And she said, tell them the system isn't broken. It's working the way exactly the way it's supposed to. Um, you know, which means it just doesn't work, you know, to everyone's benefit, wow. but it's not supposed to work to everyone's benefit. So shout out to my 16 year old who is absolutely the product of her parents and her own self. So, wow. uh, with that, with that being said, when it comes to defunding the, the police, I felt about that the same way I felt about white privilege. Um, was <laughs> first is that I don't think people really understood what the word meant, what the concept was, um, you know, because on the face of it, it was take all the police money, <laughs> just take it all. And I'm thinking, I, I kind of still like, I feel like we still need police officers. I just do right. because you know, we still got stuff going on. Right. Uh, so it, in that, in that, I think we need to look at, um, you know, what it actually is. So I think, you know, defunding the police is not a bad idea, especially when you understand that that over the last however many, 30, 30 something years, if not longer, that um, that policing has been incentivized. So there are monetary incentives for um for making multiple and multiple and multiple arrests or wow. for petty crimes and things like that um so one we have to look at um what i don't know what this de-incentivizing or disincentivizing and and then to um demand's point reallocating right. reallocating those funds so i mean whether we're talking about taking that stuff out and what whether we're talking about mental health counselors counselors looking at, at what to do with the homeless population I mean all those kind all those social issues that end up in the prisons yes. you know really we need to look at pulling out the money for that we've been using to police those those folks and actually use to support and help which will actually really really change a whole lot so anyway um, that's my two cents on it is that I think one we really need to understand people need to understand what defunding the police means it doesn't mean it's it's just maybe a <laughs> it probably could have been termed a little better that's how i feel about white privilege i'm like you know white privilege probably could have been termed a little better but it is what it is um because most most white folks who don't understand it see it as a class issue when it's not white privilege has nothing to do with class defunding the police has nothing to do with taking all the police's money it it says well okay let's 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 reallocate these funds into other areas that make more sense. So we're not criminalizing mental health issues. So that we're not criminalizing homelessness. So that we're not criminalizing addiction. And don't get me started on that one because we just stopped criminalizing addiction with this with this last opioid addiction. So let's not. I'm just not gonna go there. Right. So anyway, that that's all my my thoughts are on that. Yes. Thank well, you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. So and Miguel, um, I'm going to let you 
steer the uh, ship from here, bro. I mean, it just, you know, defunding the police, right? So defunding the police means, you know, for me and and and, and for a lot of folks out there is, is not taking away the money, right? Kind of what Tia said and, and what DeMond said, it's reallocating it, right? There's no reason why we cannot have a social work-based police force. Right. right. There's no reason why we cannot have an educated teacher-based police force, right? We the, the police force can be whatever as a public we decided to be. You know, demilitarizing our police, right? That's also defunding them, right? Mm-hmm. And so understanding the difference between a police officer and a soldier. Mm-hmm. Now, right mm-hmm. now, we have a combination of Marines, Army, Army Reserve, and uneducated dumb people as cops. All right? Some of them ain't dumb, but y'all get what I'm saying. All right. But we've put them in militarized tanks. We've put them in military gear. Right? We call them police, but their job at this point in time in the United States is to occupy. Occupy economically challenged communities so that our local and state governments can control the economic dynamic of what's happening in those communities. When you can let two white men with sniper rifles sit over top of a protest, a peaceful protest, and they not go to jail and can't because and they can't prove that they own the weapons. But you will arrest four black women and all they have is a voice. That's to occupy. Right. You know, our police need to be police. They need to be community police. Right. Right. Um, if we if we've got black and white officers, because I'm going to talk about some of the black officers. If, if, if we have black and white officers out here and their sole job is to intimidate. And bully, then they shouldn't be on the force. Right. Um, Real talk. If we've got good officers, good people, let me rephrase that. The hell with them being officers. If we have good people who have chose to do that job, then it behooves them to speak against those who are not doing the job. Right. Now, if your job is to be a slave catcher, then fuck it. Let's be honest about it. Our chief, ask our chief of police, ask our state police people, ask our sheriffs, ask our governors, ask our state representatives and our city councils and our county commissioners and our county and our county, our city councils, etc. However, your government is formed in your community. Is that the role of the police to be slave catcher, catchers to create a new slave system, a new economic empowerment system? In the United States. By using the 13th Amendment as it is written today. Let me ask you a question, Miguel, specifically. Um, should there be a one strike and you're out policy with police officers? Yes. Yes. And the reason I, th- yes. I asked that is because, you know, this is an extreme situation that we're in. But... Um, I'm quite certain, and I'm going extreme here, so just just rock with me I'm for a second. I'm running with you. Uh, if the pastor is touching little boys and he gets thrown out of the church, I'm quite certain he's not going to pastor another church. He does sometimes, and he needs his penis cut off, but let's go. But 
should there be a one strike and you're out? Absolutely, because George Floyd don't get to come home. Breonna Taylor don't get to come home. Not at all. The police failed Tyler Girth. Right. Failed the protesters in that community. Right? The young man, Sean, in, in Indianapolis, the police lied and said he had a gun, and it wasn't until the surveillance of someone's home caught the whole chase and they saw that the kid only had two cell phones in his hand. Still shot him in the back dead. The detective stood over his body while the boy's phone was still live and said, looks like a closed casket for you. All right. You know what? They shouldn't even get one chance to get it wrong. Dude, all right. we've been in COVID-19 all of 2020. And, and across the nation, I can't even name without having a sheet of paper in front of me, how many people have been gunned down by police officers during a quarantine? Right. Ooh, goodness. During a quarantine. Yeah. Nah, you don't get a second chance. I don't believe you should get a second. I believe they should not pass go take their white black asses straight to jail. Right. And you know what? If it continues to happen, I think the police chief would follow. 100%. I think if it continues to happen, the mayor should follow. All right. I think if it continues to happen in the silence from the from our, our city councils, they should follow. All right. I, I mean, you know, if a militia threatens to kill people in your city, let me rephrase this. If Al-Qaeda... Threatens to kill people in the United States. We are willing to go to war. We all on their ass. But if a militia shows up in Louisville and tells the police station, we are going to help you remove the people from a public park. Silence. Yeah. Silence. They catch two of the potential shooters. And we don't know if they shot. I want y'all to know this. But they catch two white men on top of a building with sniper rifles. And they get sent home. Let it been black people, they be dead. Let it been Al-Qaeda, we'd have blown up the building. Let it been the Dallas shooter. If y'all remember that man. He's the first martyr in this. All right. They had blown him up with a drone. That's weaponized That from my understanding Maybe it changed But it's illegal to have a weaponized drone In the United States Wow Yet our police department have them that's Matter of fact they killed this man He don't even get to explain why he killed them all That's some of that uh, Reallocating that money That y'all spoke of Like what we need drones for Re Let's reallocate some of that money Back into the educational system Yes sir And increase you know the knowledge that we are uh, instilling in some of these kids. Yes, sir. And, and and just maybe, you know, we can we can increase the, the graduation rate. Maybe we can increase the ranking that we are in the world uh, as far as education. How about we? Oh, well, how about? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Let me jump in here. I'm gonna let you do it, um, Damon. You know, but I, I think that you know that that lends to. That statement about black bodies, whether it's little black bodies or big black bodies, 
you know, it, it, it is about how valuable we think those little black and brown bodies are. And, and that's what's interesting is that little black and brown bodies are not worth as much yep. as little white bodies, especially little white bodies that might have more money. Right. So, so I think that we're looking at what people actually think other people are worth. Yep. Yep. We are looking at that. Um, and so I think that reallocation, that is an opinion. It is not a fact. It is an opinion. So we are, we are going to have to look at that with respect to, okay, you know, these people are worth just as much as these people over here. Absolutely. Um, so I, I just wanted to say that. And then I'm, I'm out fellas. I have to leave. Uh, but it has been great. Um, thank you for allowing me to chime in with um, Scott and Kyle and the rest of y'all. We had to do this again another day. Most definitely. Y'all jump out. We appreciate y'all. We got a special guest we're going to bring in before we wrap up the night. We love that everybody came out and hung out with thank us you. on Common Conversations. Yes, yes. Y'all do the thing. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank and, you, and this next guest, I'm going to just let, uh, because I know uh, his heart is um racing that's my buddy you know his mind is racing i know i always uh talk about him being in the orange and or the red and i know last night at a certain hour uh, it was close and so i'm gonna i'm gonna let him do the honor of bringing this guest in nanny what's going on so this is this is nanny with the mostest i'm gonna let y'all see her say hi because you know she kept us up all night um, trying to make sure she got out of jail because she was out there protesting uh, with the beautiful people, and you know they picked her up on the side of the the, the sidewalk. And um, you know I don't have too many vulnerable moments, but that was one. Um, so as we getting ready to wrap up the talk, I wanted to you know bring you in and say hello to folks and tell us tell us tell us what you feel, what you seeing out there, love. Hey, you guys. Thank you for having me on again. Peace and blessings. Blessings and peace to everybody. First, you know, I just want to tell everybody thank you for the support. Sorry, Miguel and Tia for keeping you up all night. Um, Anytime. It, it was it was definitely um, a ruse. Um, I feel okay. You know, I, I feel okay. I feel like, you know, as much as we go out there, it was honestly bound to, to happen to be arrested during a protest but you know sometimes you expect that you know you're going to be arrested when you're actually doing something um it was olivia's on the phone now with wdrb i mean they have slandered our names i mean it is i haven't even read the full article but um that's the part that hurts because again that's why we're marching that's why we're out here you know we got some black brothers and sisters and white brothers and sisters that got you know, different charges, you know, and we're trying to figure out why. Um, it's, 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 it's a different, this is a different feel. You know, I'm nervous. You know, we went back out to Six and Jefferson just now and, um, you know, just to break through that fear, if that makes sense, to, you know, know that we can still stand out there and take a chance on going back, you know, and something broke out while we were down there and, you know, just out, just out of safety and concern, you know, we left. Um, but, you know, we got to keep fighting. You know, we, we got to keep fighting. We got to fight intelligently. You know, I'm going to reassess some things. But, you know, what's important is for everybody to understand. I hope you know who we are, who I am, 
and that, you know, I would never destroy, you know, city property or anything like that. Um, but yeah, it's, it, I'm in a weird space right now. You know, I feel good. You know, I'm not ashamed for going to jail for this. Um, I was in there with eight strong women, you know, we were all educated or, you know, working or, you know, we had something, you know, positive about us. So, you know, the, the, the thugs that they, they are claiming that we are, you know, we're not, and, you know, we have to keep speaking out, but, um, it's, it's just, it's, it was really weird. I think most of you all saw my, my live stream of, you know, basically their reason for locking the, us up is that we took too long. You took too long standing on the side of the street? Yes. Mm. It, it, we mm. were assembled and we, so we nobody was assembled. We were we were way past, you know, the park. And um, they, they, they blocked anybody on the street, anybody black, anybody on the street or parking lot, uh, you got arrested. Because I was in there with one sister and her and her husband were actually coming from dinner, getting in their car. And she said, we turned around and there were just police right there. And she said, we didn't even know why we were going to jail. So it was, I do want to shout out. I do have to shout out, you know, a gentleman uh, this morning that, you know, helped me get out. Uh, Officer T. Morgan, I'm going to find his name. You know, he really, you know, comforted me, you know, while, you know, I was in the, the, the release part. And he said, you know, he said, I understand what you're doing. He said, and I respect what you're doing. And he looked at me, he said, are you fighting for me? And I said, we're fighting for everybody. And he said, keep it up. So, you know, we always had to put that disclaimer, not all cops are bad yeah. and they're not, you know, this was a black man that he said, I've been passed up on promotions, you know, many times he said, I'm happy. He said, but you know, things aren't right. You know, and the other year I hear some guy talking about this is bull crap, blah, blah, blah. So it's just, it's a mixed bag, you know, but you know, we got to stay the course. And uh, I'm just going to encourage people that, you know, even if you're not on the street, you know, with us, you know, start making the phone calls, you know, mailing the letters, emailing. That's where the change is. You know, that's my change evaluation of, you know, are we attacking the pawn or are we attacking the king or queen? Mm. You know, the, the mm. pawns, you know, they're, they're only following orders. They're there to protect. They're, they're not the ones in charge. So, you know, we're taking out frustrations, uh, but are we doing it in a way that's really going to give us a resolve? And that's something that I'm, I'm reflecting on. But, um, you know, my last sentiment as always, you know, peace and blessings, blessings of peace. And for show black lives matter forever and a day. Thank you, you love. You dig. We appreciate you. Yes, man. And yes. WDRB. If you listen to this podcast, you suck. Um, because I read the reports and uh, them shits was straight slander. And I hope that Nenny, that you live in the other eight women who were arrested, not only sue the police department, sue the city of Louisville, and also sue WDRB for slander. So, um, yeah, take that with you. We appreciate you coming on, love. Hold on, hold on. I'm hold on. Trainer got I'm something I'm to drop. I'm going to say one thing and then, you know, we'll let Nene go. But, um, I think I, I I heard a quote sometime a while ago. It said something about, and and I might be paraphrasing here a little bit, but the only way that evil uh, triumphs is if good people do nothing, right? Uh, yes. And, and and so we got good people like Nene, good people like Liv, and all the 
you know, many people that are out there fighting for this cause uh, just so we can be equal. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Just so we can be looked at the same. Um, and so I salute you. I honor you. I adore you. I am extremely proud of you. You know what your family means to me. And I'm extremely proud of you. And uh, chin up, sister. I want to also say I'm proud of you as well. I admire and respect the the continuous stand you've made. That's right. That, that you continue to be on the front line. You continue to not allow them to intimidate you. You continue to to be peaceful when it's so easy to give into uh, a sense or even an attitude or a mindset of neg- negativity and just start attacking the world. I applaud you. And I just, I thank you. I can't. I can't say it ain't better than they, than they already did, so I won't. There it is. There it <laughs> is. I will see you later. Peace, love, and hair grease. I do want to say one other thing. Um, when we're talking about reallocation of funds, um, let, if we're real, as we look at the reallocation, let's reallocate funds to bring black men home, bring them back into the community. Right. Correctly. Yeah, Correctly. Right. Re- help, help them um, get over the trauma of, of being in jail. Um, because, you know, it's, it's systematic to remove us from our people because we are the vanguard. We stand in protection. Um, they, re- they systematically remove us from our homes so that the next generation and the following generation can keep continuously grow up fatherless. Teach. So, so that the young boys have no one to look up to have no one to, 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 to teach them how to be not just a, a black adult, but how to, what it is to be a man, what it is to stand for something, what it is to protect your family. And, you know, they, they put forth the, the, I'll say propaganda that, and in your story you illustrated quite well, these are the next criminals. And they feed that into them, that you won't make it out of high school without going to jail that if you do get out of high school you won't make it to see adulthood without getting killed no we can do better we can be better so as we talk about reallocations let's reallocate that wow and bring us home all right wow fellas gentlemen gentlemen it's about that time for us to wrap it up yes sir say uh, appreciate everybody who's listening i want to appreciate everyone who came in through the live feed and, you know, any one of us can close this out if y'all want to. I got to say something, though. I'm super proud of my 16-year-old daughter who just reminded me of something. You can't fix something that's not broke. Mm-hmm. Let and that while breathe. we've been out here for the ages, the history of America, the history of wealth in America, the history of social construct, and the justice system in America is not broke. All right. It was built to do what exactly it is doing. Wow. It is built to do exactly what it is doing. Racism was built and it is threaded through the ecosystem and the infrastructure of America. All right. You cannot fix something that is not broke. Wow. But you can rewrite it. That's right. You can turn it off. You can unplug it. That's a new mindset. 
That's a new mindset to wake up to, for me to have to wake up tomorrow and realize I can't fix it because it ain't broken. That just made me think of something. Hmm. Uh, you first have to trace it, right? Yes, sir. Then you have to face it. Yes, sir. Then you have to erase it. Yes, sir. And then you have to replace it. Yes, sir. Hmm. Say that again. So you first got to trace it. Then you have to face it. Right. Then you have to erase it. And then you have to replace it. I don't know where we are right now in this protest in this world and this fight against racism and equality or for equality. Maybe we at the tracing part. Right. Because I know a lot of, of, of my white brothers and sisters are starting to read history. You're right, right, right. All history. All history. Right. Right. And so there's a new rationale that's coming. That's right. So maybe this is the tracing part. I agree. And then we got to erase it. Most definitely. We're going to have to, and I don't well, know no, what. Well, well, no, we got to face it we after got, we trace it. Well, we already facing it. We're facing it. You know. We, we facing it because eight strong educated. I want y'all to understand what she breed. said. Eight strong educated black women went to jail. Wow. For leaving. Two black folks coming from dinner went to jail because wow. they was on the wrong block. Wow. We already facing it. Right. Real talk. Now it's time to erase it. Right. I don't know what that looks like. I love it. Some other listeners, y'all hear this, y'all want to chime in. Yeah. You jump on the Facebook. I want to know what erasing it looks like. Right. Right. Maybe it's calling the senator. Right. We got to rewrite it. That's right. Right. So again, as as the young as the young one said, hell it ain't no rewriting it. Right. It was already written the way it was supposed to be written. Wow. 16 right 16, 16. so wow. if the collective bargaining agreements yeah are already written as they're supposed to be written they performing how they're supposed to perform absolutely so the dog is out there unleashed wow it's time to put him in a new kennel hmm. not rewriting not change his mind not change his heart fuck that put him in a kennel wow and then go get his master and put him in there with him wow yo i'm done i'm done i'm done this is Common Conversations. This is the Odd Fellas. We appreciate you hanging out with us. Yeah, if dude. you love it, like it, subscribe. We're out there on Captive. And, uh, yo, we love y'all. Go ahead, big guy. I got nothing. You got, you got nothing. We <laughs> done. We done.